Imagine this. It's winter time. You're walking in the woods with your dog, enjoying the cool, brisk morning. And suddenly, you hear something rustling in the tree line above, and you look, and what you see is something you never knew existed. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see that you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out. Just before we jump into this video guys, I just wanted to take a quick reminder to let you guys know about Chilling and that I'm a part of the Chilling family. I want to make sure you take advantage of the free trial if you haven't yet. Chilling is the new home of horror and an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube. With hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists or playlists you can make on your own, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want. This includes the Chilling exclusive feature, the ambient sound menu. You can change the background noise the story to fit your mood as you please. Of course, this is offered completely and totally ad-free. That's right, no ads, just hours and hours of uninterrupted, horrifying, creepy, and all-around spooky content. And the best thing is, we're adding hours and hours of new content every single week. I couldn't be more excited to have this opportunity to be a part of this journey, so I hope you join us. Be sure to start your free trial today. It's only $2.99 per month after that. We have added new narrators, and we have even more coming soon. We have also added classic novels, vintage horror radio, and true crime. We have over 500 stories and hundreds of hours of content being added all the time from monsters, gore, paranormal, thrillers, true stories, and more. You have the ability to minimize and darken the screen. There is also a new sleep timer, the ability to control both narration and ambience independently, and you also now have the ability to see what stories you've also listened to and recent story sections. Oh, one last thing. We are also giving away a PS5 console disc version. This will come with four popular games and an extra PS5 wireless controller, and one year of PlayStation Plus. You can find out more details about this giveaway Away by clicking the link in the description. So, to start off, I live in rural Idaho. Farmlands and woods for thousands of miles, it seems. Now, at this time, I was 20 years old, and I and a few friends decided to go camping. Like all great ideas, we also brought along with us guns and liquor. Most of us owning lifted trucks, we headed deep into the Pacific Northwest woods. We drove random trails for hours looking for that perfect spot, far enough from anyone and anything to avoid the law enforcement and bothering anybody else. We came upon a small cabin at some point and decided that this would be a great spot to camp. This is an old trapper's cabin left over from who knows what year. Logs were grayed and cracked. The roof had been taken over by moss of the woods and a tree decided its roots needed a new home because it was really growing into the side of this building. Regardless, this place, thinking back on it, was rather odd. The door was dug down about two feet so the whole cabin looked like a ten-year-old would be the builder, yet inside you could stand up easily. My friend JC called to look 
As me and him went inside to check out what we had found, as I wandered over, he looked at me in this kind of sickly manner. He looked nearly green. What's up, man? I asked. Bro, check this out. Have you ever seen so many dead animals? At this, I picked up my pace a little. I mean, the last thing we need to be is near a wolf den or cougars, banquet area, or something like that. What the hell? I start looking around. I, I thought we might be standing in a mudding pit. This was no longer an option. Looking into this creek bed area to see, I guess around five deer, two elk, maybe half of a moose, and I think a few raccoons. All dead and torn apart. Guts splayed all around. The smell of something I'll never forget was rotting somewhere. It was like rotting bile mixed with the smell of feces and urine, all combined. This explains why JC looked so green. Looking around, Matt and Joe were off gathering wood for a fire, and it was getting dark rather fast. All we could do for a while was just stare at the Jackson Pollock of dead things. Bro, is that a footprint? I snapped my head to where he was pointing. It looked like a bare human footprint and a few others leading away from this place. Uh, that looks like a footprint and a bare footprint. Who the hell walks around barefooted in these type of areas? There was debris everywhere. Rocks, glass, old shards of, like, building materials. Uh, man, this is so strange. What do we even do? I say. This time... Being where my mind was at the time, I seriously didn't know what to do. Who would be around and bare feet like we said? There should have not been anybody doing something like that here. Or better yet, I should have considered the fact that whoever this was, or whatever this was, might return to this spot. Anyway, we walk over, and yep, we find more footprints that look just like the ones from before. Most were even close to our own foot size. Joe and Matt got back sometime around dusk. It was starting to get dark so we got a fire started, and we backed up our trucks and all lined them up, ready to get the hell out of there if need be. As the fire burns, we begin to drink. Matt and Joe are talking about the pile, like it's some poacher's dump area. Again, the fact that we were still there is, is absolutely insane. I can't for the life of me tell you why we didn't get out of there. The forest got dark, and I mean dark. The moon was out, and it just seemed like it wouldn't touch this area. We all did only have a few drinks, not enough to get pissed drunk or anything. We didn't get super messed up, and we didn't do any hold my beer moments. JC was the first to point out that it was silent outside. Not the silence of the woods at night. I mean, it was silent. Like no sound other than us and the fire. No wind, bugs, nothing. Then... Just like the scary movies, a glint of movement in the forest caught my eye. What was that? Did you guys see that? Who's that? Joe says, interrupting my sentence. We all look around and stand just outside the light of the fire. We couldn't see much, but what I saw, I could only describe as a half-naked man with this stupid grin on his face and this weird stick in his hand. Yo, dude, are uh, you okay? Joe yells, and this thing lurches forward a few steps like a walking dead type creature. What the hell? Joe tells me, on the other hand, just to go into the truck and get my 1911 from under the seat. 
I click the slide as I chamber around. James, what are you? Shut the hell up, JC, and get in your truck. We got to go now. I level my gun, taking aim at this thing. Seeing Joe to my right, he had gotten his AR-15 out of his tent. As well, he says, James, bro, we need to leave. There's two more to his left. Now, we look over, and we see that these people or these things had these antler helmets. I guess I don't really know how to explain them, nor do I care to. Matt, start my truck, Joe said. He rode there with Joe. Matt was like lightning in that moment and ran to the truck and turned it on quicker than I've ever seen anything happen. JC, you too, bro. Fire it up. He starts his truck. Now, this man twitches left, right, and like every type of position you could imagine. It was like some Matrix glitch or something. I don't really know how to explain it, and I'm very sorry if I'm not making any sense. Then, I see this thing's eyes. Or, the lack of eyes. It was... There, there was no white, just... This golden yellow glint, it was like just a source of light, not like it was eyeballs if that makes any sense. That was all we needed. I hopped in the back of JC's truck and he took off out of there. I started firing at this thing because it started chasing us. I hear the crack of the AR-15 go off and three rounds go into this guy, but he doesn't stop. He doesn't even trip. He doesn't do anything. He continues to run at us. I shoot a few shots myself, shooting a few 45 ACP hollow point rounds. I'm not sure how many times I hit it, but I know I hit it at least once or twice. We drove around a sharp corner, and just like that, it suddenly disappeared and wasn't following us anymore. We didn't stop until we got to the main town, into much, much more lighted and populated areas. Our windows were all busted out. It looked like someone had keyed the sides of the car. The hood looked like it got stabbed by a pitchfork. I just brushed it off and tried to just assume that we had been attacked by some weird creep in the woods or something. But after listening to the show and reading stories and hearing tales around my area from natives, I believe that this was a Wendigo or a Skimwalker. Maybe that's what it was. If anything, it's definitely not something of this world. If I know one thing, there are things out there that are real and they are evil at their core. Be safe, friends, and thank you for reading my story. Much love to all in the swamp. This is my true story. When I was a young teenager, I used to live in the center of a county called Shropshire, England, in a small farming hamlet, not even marked on the map. This location was idyllic, surrounded by nothing but fields and trees, with the nearest people outside of our 15-strong community being our landlord residing around two miles down the road. Our home was a barn conversion that had been converted in the 90s, and despite the house being constantly cold, we were happy. Our home was the largest we had rented, for an affordable price. We had always struggled for money. As such, struggling to find a large place enough to accommodate us all. The house had a large living room near the entrance, kitchen to the right, three bedrooms upstairs, one of which being my brother's room, having access to a kind of attic space above the garage. My mother and my stepfather, at the time, they had a room, and my little sister's room was opposite of my brother's upstairs. 
my room was the only bedroom downstairs, located at the end of the building, slightly below ground level, with a door that connected to the outside and a window overlooking the woods to the front of the hamlet. The first few months we lived there, we moved in when I was 13, seemed truly idyllic. I had friends to mess around with in the woods, one of whom was my age, and a girl, although that was only important from an excitable 13-year-old's perspective. Most importantly though, we had a home and a community that welcomed us. Now, skipping forward a year, we almost did all of the walks and explored everywhere in the woods in this area, and quite often our group would cycle around the farmer's fields and play games. When it snowed, we would often amass large snowball fights between all the children and adults we could rope in. This happened almost every winter we were there, with snowdrifts often laying the sides of the road preventing us from traveling to work or school. Anyways, one day, in about mid to early July 2010, my uncle and his family came to visit. This was the first time we had seen them properly in years, and so we decided to show them the walks we enjoyed in the area and got reacquainted with them. We had decided to go around the large field that ran parallel to our hamlet and continue down into the woodland at the bottom of the hill. While walking and chatting, we started to notice discarded animal carcasses that looked like they had been there for months, scattered all over the edge of the field. My uncle had asked, are there usually this many dead animals here? To which we responded with, no, actually, we have never seen this before. Now, we used to walk this route regularly and my mother would quite often ride her horses around the field, and we had never noticed anything like this before. The carcasses ranged from several calves to multiple deer skeletons and several dead foxes. The crops that were planted were also flattened in strange shapes, which just added to the uneasy vibe. We all started to feel it at the same time. So we took pictures, completed our walk, and went home. After this day is when the fun really started to begin. At night, I would often hear the gate open outside, just beyond the door that led outside from my room, and after hearing it approximately four or five times, I decided to man up and check in case it was someone attempting to break into our property. However, when I would check, the gate would be open and there would be no sign of the person who opened it. As these events were identical, and they continued to be more and more persistent, I steadily got braver and would venture outside with my flashlight, reacting as fast as possible and looking for any sign of someone or something. After not finding a culprit for around a month, I began to just ignore it. I thought maybe it was just the wind or something, and just shut the gate the following morning. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but your brain does its best to just process what's going on and make an equation later. It became a non-factor and continued right up until we left the property in 2013. In early 2011, I was struggling with insomnia, partially due to social stress and partially due to my failings at school. This in part made me doubt the next thing that occurred, but I can remember it vividly as one of the most terrifying happenings of my life. It was about 1.30am on a Friday evening. I was getting ready to go to bed and so went to the bathroom next to my bedroom to brush my teeth. As I exited the bathroom, I heard what sounded like rapid footsteps heading between my little brother's room and my little sister's room. Now, we had dealt with rats in the past, and I knew the sounds that the central heating pipes can make. These are both known sounds. This 
however, sounded like a small child running at full speed from one room to another. It piqued my attention. I went upstairs ready to berate my 12-year-old brother for still being awake and active at 1.30 a.m., but to my surprise, my brother and sister were both soundly asleep. So, I checked the attic door in my brother's room, just to make sure no one could have been in the house and left to go downstairs. My mind then started to rationalize the situation, and I believe that I had started to overreact, and wow, this will make a funny story in the morning. But then, as I continued down the corridor towards my bedroom, I heard that same identical noise running from my sister's room to my brother's again. Now, I was scared, not for myself but thinking that I had missed something that could put my siblings in danger. These did not sound like animal footsteps. These were definite, audibly bipedal steps heading from my sister's room to my brother's. I immediately turned around and ran up the stairs, but they were both asleep yet again. This time, I decided to enter my brother's room and do a quick check of all the cupboards and corners. I looked everywhere that could harbor someone, fearing that if I didn't do something, maybe something bad would happen. After clearing my brother's room and feeling as if it was a safe space, I shut his door and proceeded to make my way down. I was shaken, but happier now that I knew nothing was there. Tap, tap, tap. I hear on his door, and I walk down the stairs. Tap, 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 and again. Tap, tap, tap. It was a rhythmic motion. I was frozen to the spot. I didn't dare turn around. Suddenly, a frantic scurrying noise could be heard going directly behind me, heading from my brother's room back towards my sister's. I ran up the stairs and sat opposite of my sibling's room, crying, Mom, outside my parents' door. I stayed there until the sun came up, constantly vigilant, but I hadn't heard anything else for the rest of the night. A few weeks went by, and nothing else happened, besides the bloody gate, and I had almost forgotten about the experience and had passed it off as a dream. Just after my 15th birthday, I was watching a film in bed. It was a Tuesday evening, and yet again, I was still up at around 1.30am due to my insomnia. Anyways, I was about three-fourths of the way through this film, when suddenly, I had a feeling. Like, it wasn't a feeling I'd experienced before. Just a feeling. It was the feeling of pure dread. However, I just knew to look out of the window. To my dismay, I saw a bright green orb floating around a hundred feet, just out of the tree line. It was getting closer to our house, moving slowly behind the cover of the trees. As I observe it move up and out of sight, the light appeared to be cylindrical and appeared to maintain and increase in altitude. There was no noise and sensible vibrations in the air. It just moved. I couldn't move. Fear overwhelmed me and caused my body to lock up. I couldn't even breathe or blink. All I could do was just stare. I watched as it disappeared behind the tree line, and then I caught the slightest glimpse as it went up. Around five minutes later, to continue my nightmare, my stepfather came home, opened the door, and went straight upstairs. I peeked around the door, and he was naked at 1.30 a.m. Years went by, and I doubted whether this occurred or whether it had simply been a result of my poor mindset at the time. But a year later, completely separate from my experience as I had never discussed it with my stepfather or my mother, my mother mentioned it in passing of a story of my stepfather. He was drunk, 
a story of how he had gotten really drunk on a night in 2011, roughly a year ago, observed six or seven green orbs on his way home that he believed to be some sort of aliens or something. He saw them at about 11.30 p.m. when he got into the house. After this, I shared my part of the story and explained what I had seen, how the timings didn't quite align, and all the similarities were very similar, though. How do you even react to that? How do we even know if we saw the same thing? It's just such a weird encounter. That was my close encounter, though, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Now, to start this off, I'm a 22-year-old dude with loads of energy. So much so, I usually take midnight walks around my house to get ready for bed, and I cannot really sleep before 2am. My parents recently told me that they were going on vacation and needed a house sitter. Being the cheap parents they were, they asked me to watch their cabin in some random forest 30 miles to the nearest town and 3 miles from the nearest neighbor. The cabin is in the middle of nowhere, all alone, with a lakefront view. Who could say no? I told them goodbye and wished them the best of luck on their trip. I arrived at the cabin the next day. The first day went well, because I thought they didn't have cable or service. I was wrong, they actually did. I fished and swam and ate good food. But the second day is when the nightmare started. The time was roughly about 1 in the morning, and I couldn't sleep at all. I put on my boots and headed out in the cool night air for a little walk. I walked around the house a couple of times and stood by the edge of the thick forest. When I was about to head back to my bed, I heard footsteps coming from the trees. Now I'm used to deer being everywhere around my house, but the footsteps sounded way heavier than a normal deer. But being the curious chap I am, I threw a rock in the thick bush to see if it would run off or scare whatever that was. Silence. At first, I heard nothing. And then, I heard something that I wish I didn't. Laughing. Not from a normal person, but from someone who was absolutely insane. Then, the same rock I threw was thrown right back at me. I never ran so fast to my truck in all of my life. When I turned on my car and the headlights came on, I could see a bald man still laughing where I was just a second ago. I sped until I reached the end of our long driveway. I then called the sheriff and had to wait about an hour. When they finally got there, they thought I was just joking, but when they checked where I told them to, they found rope, duct tape, a long knife, and a faint, bloody trail leading to another cabin some far away into the trees. Inside was just a bunch of scribbles like a child does and a rag covered in blood. The police looked all around and even checked our cabin, but he was never found. The next day, my parents canceled their trip and sold the place in less than two weeks. I chat with myself wondering whose blood was in that cabin and what would have happened if I didn't find the man in the woods. Hello, my name is Nathan, and I live in a small town in northwest Alabama. This story took place about two months ago. I was coming back from Florence, Alabama, and it had just turned dusk on this county road in rural Lauderdale County. 
The road that I was on was very close to the Tennessee River, so there was a lot of fog over the road at the time. I always remember growing up, my grandmother would tell me the story of how her uncle and his wife and three kids went off the road in their car and drowned in a creek. When I was coming up on this creek, it was very foggy. The creek has a small bridge over it, and next to the creek is a newer church with an old cemetery. As I was coming back, upon the creek there was an old man who walked out of the woods and onto the street just past the bridge. I had my low beams on and my fog lights on, so I could see through the fog more clearly. As I saw this old man, I immediately pressed the brakes, and I thought it was a real person. The man continued to cross the road. I could notice his attire, though. He had an old straw hat on, and he had a piece of wheat hanging out of his mouth. His shirt was faded. It was a red button-up shirt with patches and tears all over it. His pants were old jeans with patches in them, and he was barefoot. He continued to cross the road, and right at the double yellow line, he turned and winked at me as to say, Thank you for stopping. There was one strange thing about this incident, though. It was like I could see the fog on the other side of this man. My headlights went right through his body and showed the fog on the other side. As soon as he crossed the road, I pulled up a little further to where he crossed and stopped. There was a five-foot hill on the side of the road. He walked up on top of this hill, and that's where the old cemetery was located that I mentioned earlier. I pulled up to see if I could see him, and he was nowhere to be seen. There was no way he ran behind the church or hid behind the hill from me in time. It, there's just no way. This man was easily in his 80s. He, when I got home, I asked my grandmother about her uncle, and she showed me a picture of him and his family. And right there next to his wife, with a piece of wheat in his mouth, stood the man I saw on that rural county road. Thank you for taking the time to share this story, and possibly putting it in a video. I really enjoy the show. Years ago, man, I'm old, but let's say mid-90s, I worked as a woodland firefighter in the Army Reserves. I worked as a spotter, basically. I was stationed in a giant fire tower in the middle of a national park. My job was just as it sounds. I would use binoculars and look out for fire, smoke, and other telltale signs. My nearest compadre was five miles or so from me. My days consisted of working my shift taking long walks around the fire tower, being on the lookout for anyone who might be having illegal fires, looking out for wildlife, and staying afoot of bears and wolves. The way our shifts worked back then was one week on, one week off. So we slept in the towers, cooked our food, etc. There were nearby toilets and showers for us to use. One day, I came across an illegal bear trap. I had several ranger friends and I safely set off the trap, then picked it up, and took it to a ranger station on one of my treks out for food in my jeep. Poaching is illegal in the park, and carried a big fine, even back then, and some jail time. But that never stopped the poachers from trying. I heard rifle shots and headed back for my tower. We did have a rifle in the tower, to be used in case of emergencies. Just a few months back, a fellow spotter had been mauled to death by a grizzly bear, so each tower had been outfitted with a rifle. I looked with my binoculars but did not see anything out of the ordinary. I radioed my coworker Ben, an older guy in the adjacent tower. He hadn't heard anything today but had come across a few traps himself. 
That night after dinner of franks and beans and toast, I was writing to my future wife when I heard the rumbling of a truck. Thinking it may be Ben, occasionally he would trek over. We would crack open a soda and chew the fat for a bit. Instead, I saw four men with rifles get out of the truck. One looked around and leaned up against the truck while the other three grabbed traps and began to set them up. I grabbed the rifle and my lantern and headed down the stairs. I was only 21, a farmer's son from a rural Virginia farming town, and even with the deployment behind me, I was naive. I should have called it in to the rangers, but instead, I thought I could talk some sense into the four dangerous men. I barely got a, hey, what are you doing, out of my mouth before I was roughly shoved by hands and my lantern fell, and I heard a crack. The rifle was kicked away from me, and I felt the breath leave my chest when I was violently kicked in the stomach. I barely had caught my breath when I was grabbed by the two other men and shoved forward into the woods. It seemed like we walked for miles, but it was probably only about a mile. However, I noticed that there were no sounds in the forest. It is rarely silent like this. Usually it's a cacophony of sounds, even at night. Owls, wolves, crickets, but on this night, there was nothing. Suddenly, I was shoved onto my knees and I felt hot tears well up. I thought of my parents, my little sister, my brother, my fiance, they were all back home in Virginia waiting on me. I heard the rack of a gun and I shut my eyes and prayed. Suddenly, the night erupted. However, it was the sound of sirens, those of forest rangers, and behind them in his pickup, Ben, who had tried to radio me that he had heard a car's engine and came to my tower when I didn't reply. The poachers were arrested. Ben drove me back to the tower. I was still shaking. He didn't lay into me until later. He honestly knew in the moment that I was too shaken up. He wanted me to take a job closer to home, but I never ran into any poachers during the rest of my time. I kept in contact with Ben for a while, sent him a wedding invite and then a photo of my firstborn son in 1997. However, as time usually does, we lost track of one another, and a few years back I googled him. He would have been 75 or so to discover he passed away a few years back. I don't know whatever came of those poachers. In my younger days, just after high school, I was what most would consider a vagrant. No home to speak of, but not quite homeless either. Growing up poor in a poor, dying factory town assures few things. But most of the kids in my town knew and understood clearly that the only way to escape such a bleak place was to leave, find work somewhere else, and don't come back unless you want to be trapped forever. And I was no exception to this understanding. It was the result of this desperate retreat from certain poverty that led me to work as a laborer in the pipeline industry. Grueling work, but decent pay. A fair start for one such as myself. After about three months of working, my foreman, who we will call Jay, discovered I was staying at a motel and would not have it. He was kind enough to invite me to stay with his family until I found an apartment, and I was grateful for his offer. Jay and his family were honest rural people who lived in an honest rural area, a house with a barn and a field surrounded by wooded hills, no neighbors, and one road in and out, very similar to the houses I had seen and been around growing up. It was a great area and great company, and I was thankful for such a turn of my luck. The first evening I stayed there, Jay's wife got me situated in my room, and I got acquainted with everyone in the house over dinner. 
After our meal, I stepped outside for a cigarette and decided the tree line behind their barn would be the best area to smoke privately and inoffensively. The sun had set, and by the time I had stepped out of the house, the moon was high and full, keeping the valley I was in dully illuminated and casting the surrounding hills as dark shadows against the star-filled sky. A night that I think most would find peaceful, but as soon as my boots met the grass, that primal instinctive warning that a man gets sometimes began to slowly creep into my core. That alarm that tells you something is not right here. Being young and dumb and brave, of course, I shrugged it off and continued to the tree line, attempting to keep the growing feeling at bay. When I, at last, approached the shadowed tangle of trees and underbrush on the outskirts of their yard, I reached into my pocket, pulled out my pack of Marlboros, my matches, and struck it alight. As I brought the match to my cigarette, I saw it. Mere feet away from where I was standing, just barely within the trees was the stark and outstanding silhouette of something very large. It stood crouched and still had to be at least seven feet tall, large, pointed ears, and a narrowly elongated snout. Its eyes glimmered. The, this was a weird infrared color you would see when animals reflect their eyes at night. Oh my god. Oh my god, there's a wolf. That's a wolf, were my initial panic-stricken thoughts. It was during this processing that I realized there was no way this was a wolf, because wolves don't stand upright, and this creature was unmistakably on two legs. It was slouched low, one arm hung down, past its haunches, and the other was pressed firmly against the tree to the right of it. Broad shoulders, a savage posture. It didn't move. It didn't seem startled or threatened or afraid, but simply aware. It knew I saw it, and it knew that I knew. I wish I could say I did something. Anything. I wish I could say that I ran, or that I screamed, or I even moved. But I was truly frozen in fear, stuck in that spot, standing rigid as a statue with nothing but a quickly dying matchlight between me and whatever monstrous thing was in front of me. We locked gazes for what felt like hours, but was probably only just a moment. And as though the creature had decided it was done terrifying me, it straightened up, backed away slowly into the darkness of trees, and just dissipated. No sound, not a broken twig or rustled leaf to be heard. As soon as my legs allowed me, I ran like hell back to the safety of Jay's house, slammed the door behind me, and was met with a look of concern from my foreman and his wife, who were watching TV in the living room. There's something out there. It was the only thing I could gasp out. Jay exchanged a glance with his wife and looked back towards me. Boy, if you're going to stay here, you need to understand that there are things out in the woods that you best pay no attention to. He said it so nonchalantly, like he was talking about last night's football game. You hear a strange noise, you ignore it. You see a strange shadow, you ignore it. And if you get a strange feeling, you come inside and forget you felt it. There are things out there we just don't understand. But we have to respect it because it's their land, and we just live here. It's been 15 years since my encounter with that creature in the woods and I still think about it all the time. And though I stayed with Jay and his family for another three weeks after that, I never felt uneasy on his property again. That feeling, it never truly left. But the warning, it was very clear. I will never go out to the woods at night unless I absolutely have no other choice. Once you know what's out there, you never see things the same again. I know this might seem far-fetched, and I know 
that many won't believe what I'm saying, but this story is one that is true and one that I just had to share with the show. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the deep woods sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode. I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's from the woods or somewhere else, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your stories with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a near daily basis. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and potentially giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, be sure to check out the merch store. I've got face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I know it's going to be a tough one because these were all really, really good stories. I can't even begin to tell you how much fun I had reading these ones tonight. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.